You're listening to the 10-Minute Think-Through, a to-the-point conversation about the Bible, theology, and current events. So everybody has opinions. Everybody has people in their lives with whom they may agree or disagree on some uh, matters that sometimes can be trivial and other times can be foundational to really uh, what makes you you as a person. And so in the idea of uh, our overly politicized world and even our overly opinionated world, the question that I think that Christians should at least be seeking to answer is, um, what is political correctness and should Christians seek to be politically correct? This is a, the term politically correct is a, I mean, I was looking at the history of this term over the last hundred years. It's never been just a like whatever phrase. It's always been to spark controversy and to make some mm-hmm. sort of bold, brash statement. And it's certainly in our context, uh, you hear uh, people say PC, like that's not PC, it's not politically correct a lot. The The GOP is built right now on this idea of we shouldn't be politically correct. Um, and so there's like this cultural movement uh, on this term. I think it's important for us to even know what we're talking about when we say politically correct. So uh, we looked up some definitions, like what does it properly mean? How is this uh, phrase used? And kind of the consensus that we found was um, politically correct, it refers to language which is not offensive to people of different uh, races, genders, or beliefs. That's kind of what you found, right, Jameson? <laughs> yeah, very sim- very similar to that. It's just essentially operating in a way that does not create an offense to a pretty broad group of people um, or groups of people individually as well. So, so we're talking about commission and omission, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I I think this is just important to talk about because, um, like this. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had um, the situation with Roseanne on Twitter, for example, who, who tweeted something uh, that was racist. And then consequently, the show was canceled and um, lots and lots of uh, networks pulled reruns of her show. And this backlash was, you know, she tweeted something that's not, quote, politically correct. And so therefore, the content was pulled. We hear like stories like this a lot where um, we just need to figure out where where do Christians stand? Like, should we be like... Yeah, absolutely. You need to be uh, non-offensive to everyone uh, all the time. Um, or is, is is that wrong? Is there some opportunity for us to be able to do some good by speaking some offensive truth, which I think is the counter argument? So let's get into that today. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that uh, a large part of how Christians should interact, not just with, I mean, definitely with other Christians, uh, but, that, but with culture at large is, um, I think I've said this before, but the idea of being charitable to someone else, hmm. of wanting to understand where they come from and also understand that um, they, they have a reason for believing what they do. Jameson brought that up in one of the pre- uh, previous episodes. But really thinking about how you can, with charity, hear someone out and not necessarily hmm. have to correct what they're saying, but that a large part of being a Christian is being in a place of privilege, being in a place of you have been saved from so much. And so I think that anytime someone is in that seat, um, a responsibility that we don't talk about so much, but is, I think, really important, especially for our day and age, is the responsibility of just being uh, an absorber, being able to just take something in and not necessarily having to respond um, is a huge area where I think that part of those, uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit, of that gentleness and that um, self-control come in to, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you won't necessarily feel the need to correct everything someone else says. 
True. Yeah. And you were telling me earlier, you've sort of taken this concept and built like the way that you, you handle social media around this concept, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. I think that, uh, my foundation on that came from your, uh, one of the little documents that you produced for our church. Uh, and our church staff, which was how do you interact online? And one of the statements that you made in there is that no one wins fights on Twitter. Like there's no, uh, there's only losers who fight on Twitter. Not that if you fought on Twitter, you're a loser, <laughs> maybe. But the idea of um, if you can at all possible uh, leave every social interaction with having built the other person up and, and, and being a listener, I think that uh, just that kindness is such an alien virtue to our culture that you have you accrue so much um, equity with people relational equity when your only your only desire is just to hear them out and to be kind and and what you're hearing now on the other side of that there is a responsibility to speak the truth in grace and love but I think that that is a different subject matter than being yeah, and that's correct. where it's so important because what the statement you just made is speak the truth in grace and love. Mm. Yeah, those things are partnered, right? And so um, when we talk about you don't want to offend anyone, that's the idea behind political correctness. You have to define that line. You do, yeah, mm. because I mean, first of all, as a Christian, uh, Christianity is itself quite offensive mm. because it's ex- it's exclusive. What you're saying is Jesus is the only way to salvation. He, he offers the only way. And so that means for the billions of people who reject Jesus, they don't get him. They don't. Yeah, but I think that Christianity is also offensive to, to the believer himself as well. It is, Just yeah. because what it's doing is constantly refining you to make you look more like Christ, which means that it, it is offensive to the parts of your life that need to be identified as changed they, they need to be changed in some sort of some sort of way and so I think that the gospel even of itself is offensive to the believer uh, yeah. it's, it's constantly in in Christ himself being gracious uh, patient with us kind to us uh, I mean it, it's his kindness that leads us to that change and to that repentance as a whole but it's Romans still offensive two, yeah. uh, it's still offensive in a sense to even the believer not just ex- exclusivity to, to those who don't believe true yeah yeah Jesus in Matthew uh, 16 24 if anyone would come after me he must must deny yeah. himself yeah. Uh, so it is. Yeah, I totally agree. And he would later say in the following chapter that that you must hate your your family, right. hate yeah. your mother, right. your father, and your brother and your sister. So, but also I think that I think that we can define here, and I want us to really do this in that if you do a word for word reading of any gospel, even Mark, I can't come away from a gospel and go. Of course, of course, they killed him. They have to, yeah, yeah. because of the of the truth claims that he is making. Yeah. yeah, but is there a difference in hearing what Jesus said in the Gospels and going that may be descriptive of Jesus, but not prescriptive of how I should interact? Gosh, that's a good question. I think so, and I think that uh, for me, the first thought that comes to my mind is that um, when Jesus was speaking truth, what was his end goal? why was he speaking the truth? It wasn't yeah. to correct what was wrong. Yeah. Uh, it was to save what was lost. Yeah, it's always reconciliation is always the point. Right, right. And he's, he, I think in his preaching, in the things that he said that were offensive, um, John 15, 5, when he's talking to this group of Jews and who have tried to follow the law in order to be in God's grace, and he says, basically, if you don't follow me, 
it didn't matter that how closely he followed the law. It doesn't matter at all. That's really offensive. But his end goal is, I would say, is to direct people to himself. It's yeah. to save them, right? And so that truth, I think, what, like maybe what, to answer your question, Jesus's truth was both offensive and life-giving. Yeah, I think that, I guess to press into that a little bit, I think that the question I have is it does seem like the gospel, the gospel's effect on cultures um, 2,000 years ago was that it came into a culture and it stirred things up. Like it made things messy because it, it was in conflict. The riot at Ephesus. Right. Like yeah. it, it, it had a, it in its very nature had, had a, a sense of, of creating conflict. Um, so I, I suppose how, in knowing that we don't necessarily walk around with the, with the same spirit, even though we do have the same spirit, we tend to not operate with the same spirit of graciousness and kindness that Christ had. Um, so I think that obviously leaning into that is, is imperative, but how do we walk into a culture knowing that it really should be challenged in a sense, um, but stirring up, I guess, the right kind of challenge versus the intent being, let's just create some chaos here, prove that you're wrong and we're right. Because it's really easy to mix what is biblical culture with what is my culture. Hmm. And to, so it's easy for me to go into, let's say Honduras. If I go to Honduras, it's easy for me to go, you guys aren't doing life the right way. Um, but probably what I'm actually meaning is you're not doing it the way that a, a white male in East Tennessee would do it. And so it's not so much biblical culture that I'm, I'm correcting um, into, but uh, Tennessee culture. And so um, I think there is a difference and we should definitely be careful about that. So I, I don't know. I think, Brett, I think to answer your question, I, I probably fall in the category of we shouldn't be offensive because Jesus was offensive. Well, I think that that's, that's a very, very well-turned phrase. I really agree with that. Um, I also think that uh, real problem area in the 20 teens Christianity is the on the front end what people are told Christianity is because even if you were to act with the same you know kindness and mercy but also some, you know but also truth and mm-hmm. grace that Jesus and his disciples acted with and spoke with and mm-hmm. lived with their ends mm-hmm. were were more often than not martyrdom right. and and hard lives preceded that martyrdom and so where i think we have to be we have to own is for for me personally i have to own the fact that i just sometimes want it both ways i want to be culturally accepted and my life relatively quiet but i also want to be very bold in in the truth claims that i make and i don't think that those things can really exist at the same in the same spot yeah it's hard because you think of like romans 12 uh paul's call so he he takes sort of you know when Jesus mentioned mentioned when he taught to love your neighbor and then um, he asks for forgiveness on the cross for the people who are murdering him and then Paul uh, adds additional clarification in Romans twelve and says um, effectively love your enemies if your enemy is thirsty give him a drink if he's hungry give him something to eat I don't know that I mean and then again like First Corinthians the letter to the, the Corinthian church it often talks about like the importance of loving those who are easy to love and uneasy to love and I don't know that we can do that if we're speaking derogatorily about the people that we say we love um, and that's where I, I sort of find myself uh, there's so much complexity here and I, fi- I sort of find myself in that way saying yeah, in that way, a, a Christian should be politically correct because, like, if you're offending, like, not offending, but if you're insulting or if you're marginalizing uh, a human being, 
do you think they're going to listen to you about the gospel? Like, do, the, do you think they believe that you love them? And so um, I, that to me, that it's like a huge important thing to, to convey accurately. And so perhaps not, um, yeah, like I'm going to give a hundred percent credibility to every person's belief and say, yeah, you're right. You're right. You can believe whatever you want. But uh, maybe instead to say, I will love you no matter what, like we don't have to agree. I still love you. And Jesus still loves you. Does it sound like what I'm saying is advocating for, um, well, you know, that sort of like Benedict option of pulling completely out of culture of not having an opinion of just responding to any time someone has a question. Let's say someone asks you a question about whether or not the U.S. should get involved in some foreign conflict. Should your response to that question be, bro, I love you. <laughs> right. You're so great. <laughs> yeah. Or should it be that you're, it's okay for you to have an actual opinion? What should you teach your children about when they hear a teacher talk about the importance of living in a world where same-sex marriage is the norm and not passing judgment on those who think that that you know, that would be anything different. And they come home and they say, mom, dad, so you are a heterosexual couple. And, but my teacher says that something else should be different. Should you go, well, honey, we're Christians. And so we don't talk about those things. What, what's the other side then? I think, so that's where I am conflicted because I think the other side has to be, we, you do continue to, on one hand, um, to teach truth. Um, so in that case, in that specific example, it would be so important to teach God's plan for gender and God's plan for romance to your child, because that's the way that it's going to be the healthiest. That's the way it's going to work the best. And that's what his intention is for them. Um, even though, yeah, that's, that is politically incorrect. Um, should you advocate for that position though? Should you show up at a, a parent town hall night at school that they have? And should you raise your concerns and say, I want to talk about this more? I think there's just significant depth to this question that's really difficult to answer because I, I think that the easiest answer and what feels like the answer that has provides the most clarity is to look at how Jesus physically responded to the same things uh, as he walked the earth. But while we know that we, we walk with the, with the power of Christ, with the authority of Christ, with the same spirit that dwelled in Christ, we are not Christ. And so while he was able to speak to these things from a sense of, uh, deity, we can't. And so Jesus was able to speak to the need for change without without needing the change himself. While we speak to this need for change from this like sense of superiority as if we don't need it ourselves. And so I don't know if that makes sense. It's just Good. like when we speak to this like politically correct thing, I'm going, yeah, I can speak to I can speak to this thing that I see needs to be changed, but I have to do it from this understanding that I need the same thing that I'm telling you you need. Do you or, think that's because we have become uncomfortable? Christians uh, uncomfortable being uh, in the spot of minority? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... Or we or become used to being the ones in power. More recently. Yeah. Like more, you know, recent history from like 1970 on, we would say that the moral majority, the you know, the powerful right. So we've not become that. Yeah, I think it's hugely abnormal for people to know how to respond to it. When I think about your scenario specifically, I don't have kids in school, so I, I don't have that like emotional draw to pull from. But like... I do feel like Christians are going to have to learn how to not, how to live in that world where that's talked about in school and how to parent their children well and how 
uh, how to have that be a part of their family culture and, and church culture, but also learn how to live in a world where they can they can love people that they go to school with and they can love teachers that that are at those schools and not have to go to a parent teacher conference and say, never talk about homosexuality. Right. Here's what's also yeah. dangerous is, um, and it's a temptation that I'm, I'm drawn to often is to forget the 2000 years of church history that we have, because we've talked a lot in our church about the story of Antioch in Acts chapter 13. And um, this city, one of the things that I love about this, uh, this story is the city was very multicultural, had lots and lots of cultures sort of intersected and living in one place. And they were very divided. And then the Christians came in, and one of the no, the, the notable things that happened was um, the Christians began scaling the walls between the neighborhoods that divided the cultures and became sort of, the, I think the term that was used uh, translates to something like wall climbers, the ones who like, uh, tr- you know, transcend between cultures. Um, I And so I think it's important to go, yeah, like a lot of those people that Christians were living with, that were neighbors with, um, going to school with maybe back in the beginning of Christianity, they were worshiping idols. Um, they, you know, you had actual literal I, idols. Yes. Yeah. They were going to temples and doing like horrible unbiblical things to themselves and, and to others. Um, and yet our, our Christian forefathers found a way, I guess, to evangelize, to love them and to live beside of them. Uh, so perhaps a, a good step for us would be to go, what, what did they do? Like, how, what? Because this is not a new problem uh, for us to be uh, figure out how to live with a culture that is in a p- opposition in many ways to us. Let me ask you both a question. Do you think that, because I think this is a modern phenomenon, but do you think that disagreement necessarily means d- uh, divisiveness? No. I don't think it's supposed to. Tell me how. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, let's go back to this. It's, it's so this metaphor is so milked now. But like, let's go back to you have a child who's going to public school and they're taught about you know uh, non traditional marriage and then it's like, so what do you do? Well, I think that it's very possible and profitable for you to teach your child that it is more than okay for someone to have a different opinion than you. Right. And that you want to love people, not in spite of their other opinions, but because they're they're persons, because they're humans, because they're image of God creator, you know, people, they're made in God's image. And so I don't think it necessarily means that just because you have the possibility of another person influencing someone you love in what you would call a negative or harmful way, that doesn't completely take you out of the seat of influence either. And so it's very, I think it's okay. I think that we've lost the ability to disagree. Totally agree. It's all become, you know, if you- My side or your side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that is, I think, the exact problem with this term, politically correct, is it is a my side or your side word or phrase um, where you have a- um, However, the however the term was being used, like it was used uh, in America to help fuel communism back in the 1930s. Um, so it's never been a phrase that is just like a whatever. It's always been divisive, and so I think there's a lot of benefit in the political system for individuals to be divisive. Um, I think our our the election of Donald Trump is a huge evidence in support of the the power that um, divisiveness has. Um, in a healthy democracy, though, you have to recognize that, yeah, you're living in a country with many different people with many different beliefs. Um, so what do you think? Do, does 
a healthy habit of democracy extends to, like you're saying, the lifestyle of a Christian to be able to to live in harmony and peace with people who disagree with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you, uh, <laughs> I think that it comes with the intention of of your disagreement, and so I I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning. The purpose of of Christ calling out things that needed to be different and things that needed to be changed, his challenge of culture or whatever would have been politically correct at the at the point, which is much of the same things now, like his point was always the redemption and reconciliation of the individual or of the culture. And so I think that that's rarely our intention. I think our intention is primarily prove you're wrong and I'm right, or just prove my just utter disgust with what you've got going on because it's so much worse in my mind than what I've got going on. And so this is like this hierarchy of, of behavior and how we view it uh, in terms of, of spirituality. But I do think it's just, it comes down to the intent. What is your intent of disagreement in a lot of ways? And so if your intent of disagreement is divisiveness, then of course it's going to create that. Um, but if your intent of disagreement is to shed light for the purpose of reconciliation and redemption, then I think that the person's response is completely out of your control at that point. And you've done what you have to do. Yeah, and you just it's such a misunderstanding of what you are as a Christian, of a misunderstanding of the the seat you have. And when you allow yourself to just be turned into a voting block because you're worried about certain rights being, you know, compromised, then I think that what you're doing is that you're creating a false hierarchy of saying that this group or this political power is now going to have a better chance of giving me a better life than Jesus would. Mm-hmm. I think that's a dangerous spot for any Christian to be in. It is. There are so many practical questions to get into with this topic. I mean, I, I even think we really haven't answered the question you asked of like, how do you disagree? <laughs> yeah. How do you practically disagree? Uh, nor, you know, do you, uh, do you oppose politically do you politically oppose someone that you disagree with or do you advocate for the thing that you agree with like those are good questions that i think a lot of us assume answers to but we really need to be praying through and we need to be in scripture and figuring out where is the lord leading us to this is one of our longest episodes so it's probably a good time to end but i think we'll definitely come back to this topic maybe when we get the wisdom of of uh, our pastor ben shown right. back and he can help <laughs> illuminate this for yeah. us but if you have if you have thoughts as well i mean send it to us we'd love to hear them so Uh, Thank you for listening today, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10-Minute Think-Through. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to rate us on the iTunes or Android podcast store. You can find all of our episodes and submit a topic request on our website, 10minutethinkthrough.com.